0: All right, you may be seated. I want to invite you to take your Bible and turn with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1 is where we'll begin. We'll look at a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 1, and then we'll look at a couple of verses from Genesis chapter 2 together this morning. As we continue on in this month of missions, my assigned topic is to preach to you this morning about the freedom that we have in Christ and how that freedom that we have in Christ has an impact on the way that we use our gifts and the way that we use our talents and the way that we use our ability. Let's pray together. Father, we're grateful very, very grateful, God, thankful people that we can gather together as a family. That we can gather together and study your word and see what you have to say about who you are, what you're like, how you work, how you save, how you keep, how you help your people grow and ultimately how you help your people cross the finish line so we're just really grateful for that God we're thankful for your word this morning God I pray for us Lord to be illumined by your spirit helped by your spirit help us to see the truth God help us to hear the truth God, help us to embrace the truth and help us to apply the truth to our lives, Lord. God, may we see Christ this morning and may we be changed from beholding Christ. God, we just pray for your help. We pray for your aid. God, help us understand what it means use our gifts and our talents and our abilities in a way that shows our love for you and shows our love for others lord we need help in this area so god will trust that you'll do for us what we can't do for ourselves we pray this in christ's name amen Well, I want to help us to really just kind of embrace the truth that when God sets us free from sin, from the bondage of sin and from the bondage of slavery to sin, that he's called us to use our gifts and our talents and our abilities for his glory and for the good of other people. And he does that so that we can advance the gospel in the world. And so the main truth that I really want you to see this morning is really, really simple. You ready? When God gives a task, when God gives a task, he gives what's needed to complete the task. When God gives a command, he gives what's needed to complete that command. And there's so much that we could talk to talk about in regards to that statement. But I want to focus us in again this morning on the fact that when God gives us a command, like the Great Commission, to go and make disciples, he really does give us what's needed to complete that command. And part of the answer to that would look like you and me, us together together using our gifts and our talents and our abilities for his glory and for others good. I received a text message this morning from Pastor Eric. And he was talking about a basketball game that he attended yesterday. And one of the things that he mentioned, if you know Pastor Eric and you know Miss Mandy, you know that they enjoy sports one of the things that he mentioned was after he told me an answer to a question that I had, he said, Man, it's such a mission field. And I want you to be thinking about that. As we think about this reality, that that God gives us gifts, that God gives us talents, that God gives us ability. That because of Christ, when he sets us free, that we can use those gifts, those talents and abilities to penetrate those areas that we enjoy. There's freedom in that, brothers and sisters. Think about that. You don't have to be something that you're not. You can use those gifts, talents, and abilities and the things that you enjoy redemptively to advance the gospel And to press it into areas that desperately need Jesus. Amen. So what I want to do is I want to just show you this morning from this text. That God gives a task. He gives a command. He gives what's needed to accomplish that task. and He gives what's needed to accomplish that command. And I want to show you that this truth is planted deep in the Bible. That we find really the seedbed of this truth planted first in Genesis. And then it just really blossoms throughout the rest of Scripture. So look with me at a very familiar passage in Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to start with verse 26. Notice what the Bible says. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion, Over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruit you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the ground or on the earth everything that has breath of life I have given every green plant for food and it was so and God saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good and there was evening and there was morning the sixth day now go with me to chapter two and we'll look at verse seven then the lord god formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living creature And the Lord planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. Now look with me at verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, You shall surely eat. Of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Then the Lord said, It is not good that man should be alone, I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground. The Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This is at last, bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and we're not ashamed go back to chapter one with me now one of the things that i've taught you over the years regarding the book of genesis especially when you look at genesis chapters 1 through 11 is that every theological truth or every doctrine that's in the bible is clearly rooted in chapters 1 through 11 and one of the principles that's rooted in chapter 11 that blossoms over the pages of Scripture as the Bible clearly unfolds is this reality that God gives a task and then in this command or this task that God gives, God gives what's needed to complete the command or or to complete the task. And when you look at these verses and you look at what Adam and Eve were given to do there are clear commands that they are given there was a clear task that they were called to do in the garden in fact look with me at chapter 1 notice verse 28 God is talking to Adam and Eve here in verse 28 and he tells them first of all be fruitful and multiply. In other words, reproduce physically. Have babies. Then notice what he says fill the earth. Fill the earth. It's interesting. I was talking to Rachel this morning in God's plan. If you think about these commands, And what God was telling Adam and Eve to do, it means that these commands were to expand beyond what? The garden. Because the earth was bigger than the garden. There was a starting place, but God's plan has always been to fill the world with worshipers of him. So therefore, they were to have babies, raise those babies, to love God, follow God know god instruct them in the ways of god and call them to follow god their clear command in scripture was to make worshipers they were to reproduce physically and they were to reproduce spiritually pastor tom this is what you preached on the very first week from deuteronomy chapter 6 that they were to disciple their families and raise them up in the nourishment an admonition of the lord that's what they were to do clear commands in scripture so this command that pastor tom preached to us did not begin in deuteronomy 6 it began not in genesis with abraham but it began in genesis chapter 1 when they were told to physically reproduce and spiritually reproduce but that's not all they were told to do look at the text They were to subdue the earth, and they were to have dominion over the earth. Now, this is something that they were supposed to do together. God's clearly talking to them in Genesis 1 and verse 28. It's a plural pronoun, them. He's talking to them. You are to spiritually reproduce, physically reproduce, subdue the earth. Have dominion over the earth you are to fill the world with worshipers of me and when you go to chapter 2 years ago when we went through Genesis one of the things that I told you was that chapter 1 is like an overview of all that God did and then when you get to chapter 2 it's as if the writer under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit narrows down with a microscope showing us what happened prior to eve being made and when you come to verse seven what we read was that god first formed adam from the dust of the ground he puts adam in the garden and then he tells adam to work the garden in 15. he tells adam to tend and protect the garden in verse 15 And then in verse 16, he tells Adam that he could have every single thing in the garden except for what? The the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So if you're tracking with me now, there are five different commands that have been given in chapter 1 and chapter 2. One command that was given to Adam that he was told to give to Eve, which is don't eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil four commands then that he gives to adam and eve together physically reproduce spiritually reproduce subdue the earth exercise dominion over the earth so this is what adam and eve were given to do now there's something that i want you to see that's easy to read over in the text When it comes to the truth that when God gives a task, when God gives a command, he gives what's needed to exercise that command. Look with me at verse 18 of chapter 2 again. So verse 18 and the command in verse 16 and 17 comes prior to what we read in 28 all right remember what i said it's like an overview in chapter one and then he narrows us in and focuses us in on something important in chapter two notice what he says in verse 18 it's not good that the man should be what i will make a what i'll make a helper you say well The water is so muddy right now, Doug. I don't know what in the world you're trying to communicate. I don't know what in the world you're trying to say. So let me try to clear the picture up for you just a little bit. Think about this. He gives Adam the command to work the garden, to tend the garden, to protect the garden, and he can eat of anything that he wanted except for one tree. He gives Adam the task of naming the animals. And then through that task adam realizes that he's alone god already knew that adam was alone god already knew that adam needed needed a helper someone that was suitable for him in order to carry out the commands that god had given him so in order to tend the garden in order to protect the garden in order to live life in the garden he needed a helper he needed another he needed someone that was like him yet different from him he needed someone that was equal to him yet different from him he needed someone that would complement him yet bring listen gifts talents and abilities To the table that Adam didn't have. If there's anywhere in scripture that helps us understand the truth. That not everybody has all the gifts. That not everybody has all the talents. That not everybody has all the ability. That not everybody has all the wisdom. Surely it's right here before the fall of man. Is it not? I mean, if Adam could do it all by himself, then why Eve? He couldn't, but listen, when you go back to chapter one, think about this. He creates Eve out of Adam's side as a picture of unity, as a picture of union, as a picture of equality, as a picture of togetherness, as a a picture also of diversity, of uniqueness of specialness and then when you go back to chapter one and i want you to look at these commands let's think logically simply but logically could adam really be fruitful and multiply by himself biologically no (laughs) he could not do that could he fill the world with worshipers by himself no Could he really exercise dominion over the earth by himself? The answer to that is no. Could he subdue the earth by himself? The answer is no. Guys, you should be shouting amen right now because when you think about your life and you think about your family and you think about raising kids, ask yourself this question. Could you do that without your wife? And the answer is what? No, there's no way. Women are equal yet different by God's design. And in that, it teaches us an important principle. We need each other. We complement each other. We help each other. We complete with each other what God's called us to be and what God's called us to do. What did God call them to do? the earth what did God call them to do be fruitful and multiply what did God call them to do subdue the earth what did God call them to do exercise dominion over the earth they had to work together they needed to work together they needed to work together to protect one another also from not sinning against God's commands and unfortunately we know how that worked out in chapter 3 But I want you to think about this truth. That this is a truth that blossoms throughout the pages of scripture. Can I give you a couple of examples? Think with me to the Exodus. Children of Israel are delivered from the bondage of Egypt. Totally meant to be for us a spiritual picture of our bondage to sin. And our need to be delivered from the bondage of slavery to sin. And that there would be a rescuer that would come. Just like God would use Moses to lead his people out of the bondage of Egypt's rule. There would be another one that would come that would be greater than Moses to lead his people out of the bondage of sin. And that would be the Messiah. Fast forward from that, just a few chapters in Exodus, you come to Exodus chapter 25. And in Exodus chapter 25, one of the things that you discover is that in that chapter, God gives a specific command to the people of Israel to build a tabernacle for him. It's a command. I want you to build a meeting place. I want you to build a place where I can tabernacle among you, where I can dwell among you, where my presence can be with you, where you can worship me together as a people. That was the command. But in God's grace and in God's goodness and in God's kindness so that they would not commit idolatry, do you know what he did for them? He gave them the pattern. He gave them the specifics, Mr. Bill. He gave them the blueprints. They did not have to search on the internet, Mr. Bill, like you did when you made those bunk beds for me. That will never destruct. Praise God for that. They didn't have to do a Google search. The Lord in his kindness and in his goodness gave them the pattern. I want it to be this big. I want it to be this high. I want it to be made of this fabric. I want it to have this color and I want it to have that color and I want it to have the door on this side and I want the Ark of the Covenant to be here oh but God in his goodness and in his kindness didn't stop there did he because it's one thing to have the blueprints I mean Mr. Bill I can look up blueprints for bunk beds but you know what I'm lacking the ability talent the skill so you know what god did in his goodness and his kindness and his grace so that they would not languish with with these plans but not being able to execute these plans god in his goodness and god in his grace and god in his kindness gave the wisdom gave the discernment gave the skill to people to be able to carry out that command Now, in case you're falling asleep on me, I want you to think about this too. They weren't staying at the KOA. They were in the middle of the wilderness, Chimo. They had no resources. My goodness, they didn't even have water. But you know what God had done because he knew that they would need later the resources to execute this command? Do you remember when the people of Israel left Egypt? Do you remember what God did? Do you remember what he said? He said, when you leave, I want you to ask the Egyptians for stuff. And when you ask the Egyptians for stuff, I'm gonna work in their heart so they give you what you need. What was God doing? He was resourcing and fueling the birth of a nation. When God gives a command and God gives a task, the question of how it will be executed is never a problem for God, ever. He owns the cattle for it on a thousand hills. God ain't broke, he's got it. And when they needed a, the resources to make a, a tabernacle, you know what he had done? He had already given the people the resources they needed to make the fabric, to make the poles, to overlay it with gold, to do all of the things that they needed to do. God had already given them what they had needed. He gave them the physical resources. He gave them the mental resources. He gave them the wisdom and discernment to be able to execute what God had commanded. Isn't that awesome? Fast forward to Nehemiah chapter 4. In exile, God moves. To bring the seed, the promised seed to fruition, the people of Israel had to get back to the land. Nehemiah looks at the situation and recognizes that there's a big problem and it's, there's no protection for the people of Israel. So God puts it in Nehemiah's heart to lead a massive reconstruction effort to rebuild the wall. And if you've ever read how they rebuilt the wall, it's amazing. They actually, if you remember, we studied this, they actually took sections of the wall And completed those sections of the wall that were assigned to them by families. Each family took an ownership of a section. Each family said, I'll show up. I'll be counted. I'll do that task. I'll do that job. And when things got hard and when things got difficult and the enemy attacks and the enemy's always going to attack. Always going to attack. Hear me. It is a good thing when you experience the enemy attacking you. That's a good thing. Because it causes you to be humble. It causes you to repent. And it causes you to press into Christ. Because God uses that redemptively. And so God atta- or the, the enemy attacks the, the, the people of, of, of Nehemiah's day. And you know what they did? They didn't quit. They didn't give in. They didn't say this was too hard. They didn't say I couldn't do this. They said this. Okay, let's pray. You pray. You keep working. And here's what we'll do. We'll put people behind you with weapons, with swords. And there were people that stood guard. And there were people that worked with one hand and held a, held a sword or a spear in the other hand. Because the people had a mind to work. And they were working together. Oh, by the way... In case you're wondering, God had given them the task. God had given them wisdom to accomplish that task. God had given them the ability to accomplish that task. God gave them the resources that were needed to accomplish that task. Because God had moved in the heart of the king to give them the timber and the building materials that they needed. Isn't that awesome? Fast forward to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where Paul says that the church is one body. Made up of many members. And in that passage of scripture, it says that God has arranged the body as he's chosen to do. Not everybody, Paul says, is an eye. Not everybody, Paul says, is a pinky toe. Not everybody, Paul says, is a knee. But Paul says this, every part in the body of Christ matters so that the less honorable parts have honor. What does that mean? It means that in the local church, God has given to the local church everything that she needs to carry out the task. God's given people with skills and people with talents and people with abilities. He's given us Himself, He's given us His Word, He's given us His Spirit. Brothers and sisters, we don't lack anything to carry out this task that God has given us. It's planted in Genesis. It blooms throughout the pages of Scripture. I just gave you a couple of examples. What's our task? What's our calling? What's God called us to do? Make disciples. So when we connect all these dots together, here's what it means. when God wanted Everglades Baptist Church to fulfill the Great Commission, he put you here. He put you here. He put me here. He put us here. Let that sink in. When God gave Adam a command and God gave Eve a command to fulfill and to obey, the reality is they could not do it alone. They needed each other. They were equal yet different. Partners together in the gospel in Genesis chapter 1. Don't miss this. The call in Genesis 1.28 to fill the earth with, with worshipers is the gospel. It's, it's about worshiping God. It's a clear gospel command in Genesis 1. It didn't just start in Acts 1 8. It didn't just start in Matthew 28. It started in Genesis. And truthfully, it started in the heart of God before the beginning of time. And God's saying this I'm going to give this unique body of believers here at Everglades Baptist Church a unique calling, a unique placement unique talents, unique abilities. And I'm gonna call them to fulfill the great commission and to make disciples so that they use their gifts, they use their talents, they use their abilities to do that. So here's the question is that we have to wrestle with. Are we doing that? We've already been told that it starts at home. So I'm not going to go there again. But brothers and sisters, do you did you not hear what I said when we read chapter 128 in Genesis? God did not say, fill the garden with worshipers. Did he? No, he said, fill the earth. And so it starts at home, but it's not confined to the home. So if your disciple making only stops at the home... Brothers and sisters, reconsider what God's calling you to do. It starts at the home, it blooms in the home, it blossoms in the home, and it bears fruit in the community. And it bears fruit in the world. I just want to challenge you are you making disciples in the community? Are you just making disciples in the home? Every person matters every gift matters every talent matters not everybody has all the gifts not everybody has all the talents not everybody has all the ability now go with me to Galatians 5 I want to issue a warning to us here that I think is helpful There's freedom in the fact that I can be who God's called me to be and use those gifts, talents, and abilities. I don't have to be somebody I'm not. Amen? I don't have to be another mom. I can be me if you're a mom. <laughs> right? If you're a dad, you don't have to be another dad. You can be you. Be the be, be you in Christ. Pursue Christ and use your gifts, talents, and abilities. There's freedom there, brothers and sisters. I promise Look at Galatians 5. Pastor Eric read it for a call to worship. Look at verse 1. For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm in that freedom. Don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Now go to verse 13. Boy, here's the rub, is it not? Here's the struggle, is it not? We can be honest before God, before one another. This is the struggle right here. Verse 13, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. You know what happened in Genesis 3, the fall of man, and what happened with the with, with, blah, blah, blah What happened with the fall of man was this. The perfect liberty and freedom, the unhindered fellowship that Adam and Eve had with God and with one another at Genesis 3 was forever distorted and changed. Christ steps into the picture, he dies, he sets the captives free. we still struggle with the flesh and so there are times we're not careful that we can fall into using this freedom that we have with our gifts talents and abilities instead instead of using them for someone else we use them for ourselves and it might look like doing something and wanting to get patted on the back It might look like doing something and wanting recognition. It it might look like pouting because we're not asked to do something. It might look like pouting because we're not appreciated or someone doesn't respect us or 100,000 different idols that flow out of this. The warning and the caution is this. Christ has set us free, but be careful how you use that freedom. Think about America right now. Praise God, we have freedom. But let's ask ourselves this question. Do we really, as Americans, appreciate the freedom that we have? No, we waste it, we squander it, we complain, we moan, we groan, we don't like this, we don't like that, we don't like this, we don't like that. My goodness, there's no greater place in the planet to live than America. The freedom that we have, and as Americans, is an amazing gift of God's grace. But we fall into the bondage of complaining, and we fall in the bondage of just whatever it is. And if we're not careful, we can do the same thing spiritually. God has given us a greater freedom by freeing us from the penalty and the power of sin. And if we're not careful, we'll use that freedom in a way that God never intended. We'll use it for ourselves will use it for self-exaltation or self-glory or pride or manipulation or whatever it may be and paul's warning us here don't go in that direction in your heart don't use the freedom that god's given you for the flesh oh but look at the rest of the verse because it's the freedom that christ gives that only allows us to live the back half of verse 13. But through love, what? But through love, serve one another. It ain't about you. It ain't about me. The gifts, the talents, the abilities that God gives us, they vary. They're diverse. But they're not meant to be used for us. They're meant to be used for the glory of God and the good of other people. That's what they're meant to be used for. And hear me say this, until Christ sets you free, you will never genuinely love people with the right motive. Love, God's love looks like loving people when they give you no reason to love them, when you can't get anything from them, when they use you, when they abuse you, when they manipulate you, when they throw you away, when they don't treat you the way that you think you should be treated, and you love them anyway, that's God's love. And until you're set free, until you're born again, until you're made new, until you repent of your sin, until you're in Christ, you'll never love that way. You can go to a million bookstores and read a million self-help books, but you will never love anyone with the love of Christ, with the freedom that we've been given, until you're set free. And if you're not careful, though, as a believer, you'll fall back into using it for the flesh. Paul warns, don't use it for the flesh. Instead use your freedom to flourish and bring god glory and honor by serving other people notice what he says there's another warning verse 15 be careful that you don't bite and devour one another oh brothers and sisters why is it that we have this thing in our heart where we want everyone to be like us I just said that God gives everybody different gifts and talents and abilities. So why is it that we think it's our job to make everyone love like me, look like me, sound like me, talk like me, use gifts like me, and we totally miss the diversity God's given them? Be careful. Paul's very clear about biting and devouring one another. Look what he says. If you go in that direction, what what does he say? Watch out that you're not what? Consumed. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you hear. Be careful what you watch. Be careful of your heart attitude. Be careful of all of those things because if you don't keep your sin repented down, it will consume you and it will lead you to consume others. And what will happen is you will begin to attack the very people that are in your church family. You'll begin to speak against the community, the very people that you God put you there to reach. You'll begin to have a grudge against your family, the very people that God's put you there to love. Let's be honest, we struggle with that, do we not? Every one of us struggle with using the freedom that God has given us in a way that honors and glorifies God. It's hard. This is why Paul would say in verse 16, walk by the Spirit and you will not what? you will not gratify the desires of the flesh that's the key brothers and sisters getting so close to god in prayer and so close to god in in bible reading and walking with god and paul talks about it here in verse 25 keeping in step with the spirit our hearts are tender that our hearts are open that our hearts are repentance then he gives a warning in verse 26 if we're not careful, look at what else can happen. Let us not become conceited or prideful, provoking one another. What does it mean to provoke? It means that by my action, I cause someone else to be tempted to sin or envying one another. That I'm jealous of someone else or I'm coveting what they have that I don't have and I want it. I want you to think about this with me i tie it all together when god gives a command he gives what's needed to accomplish that command god's called us to fulfill the great commission to make disciples he's given us what's needed the opportunity to be set free from the bondage of sin the indwelling of his spirit to live in our hearts And he's given us his word to know what to do to avoid things that would cause us to use our gifts, talents, and abilities in a way that's completely opposite of the freedom that we have in Christ. Listen, if there's anything... That should get your attention and cause you to be in the word. It's the fact that God has to tell us to not be prideful. That God has to tell us to not be conceited. That God has to tell us to, to, to not provoke one another. To not bite and devour one another. And a thousand other things he tells us not to do. That's how much we need his word. We need him. We can't do this on our own. This should drive us into Christ so close. To be careful that we're not trying to press people into a mold that they weren't intended to ever be. God made them who they are. So when we're making disciples, we point them to Jesus and we say, read the word and obey what it says and i'll come alongside you and i'll help you and i'll pray for you and i'll be with you and i'll walk with you and i won't get it right all the time and when i get it wrong i know you'll forgive me and i'll forgive you when you get it wrong and then we'll lock arms and we'll keep moving together it's what it looks like brothers and sisters to use the freedom that god has given us in a way that honors and glorifies god adam and eve could not do what god's called them to do by themselves. We can't fulfill the Great Commission by ourselves. We can't. Let's pray together. Father, we love you. So many things to think about this morning. So many things that are in our hearts even now. We've got to pray. That as your spirit just works. And goes into those areas of our heart, Lord, where we try to keep you out or we don't want you in. Those places where we're using our freedom in a way that doesn't honor you. I pray, God, that in your kindness, you'll lead us to repentance. And you'll give us the power we need to follow you in faith. I pray for the one, Lord, who has gifts, talents, and abilities that maybe they're not using for your glory or to advance the kingdom. Or maybe they're not using them to the fullest. God, I pray that you'll encourage them this morning that as we look at the text, they are the answer to the question of how God will use Everglades to fulfill the great commission because you use your people and then god thank you that it's not a mystery we don't have to possess something that you haven't already given us you've you've given us what we need it's just a matter of us understanding that it's i I don't have to feel guilty for doing something that i enjoy and tying and tying that into the great commission wow that's a freedom that's a blessing it's awesome gotta pray that you use our church like never before Help us walk forward in the freedom that you've given us. God, just help us bloom where you've planted us. Whether it's sports, or whether we like to read, or whether we are in education, or whether we're good with finances, or whether we like building stuff, all of those things can be used redemptively. Oh, God, help us to think about how you would like to use us in the world. We love you and praise you. Thank you for this text that we've read. Use it, God, in our lives. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to to invite you, rather, to stand, and uh, we'll worship the Lord together through song.